Welcome back, nerds. We're the 12-sided guys. (laughs) (laughs) We have Matt as Alec Guinness Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hi. Scott as Han Solo, but without a shirt under that vest. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan as C-3PO with a flamethrower. Goodness gracious me. (laughs) Sabrina as Chewbacca with a sweet fade and capable of human speech. (laughs) I've never watched it. I'm sorry. (laughs) And me, Paul, as the Sith Lord Darth Jar Jar. Thanks for coming along with us on our adventures. If you want more 12-sided guys, like being able to see the dungeons, cities, and starbases our players are visiting, don't worry. No Bothans have to die to get you that information. (laughs) Just become a patron. At different tiers, you get access to maps, battle maps, the wiki, which I have been laboriously updating, bonus episodes, character sheets, and Death Star plans coming soon. (laughs) And don't forget to tell everyone you know about us. Tell your friends, your family, your friends that are secretly already family, you know, like a twin sister that you passionately kissed one time before you knew she was your sister. (laughs) Tell everyone. And ratings and reviews are always nice. Also, Fanex is just a couple months away, September 22nd to the 24th, 2022, so make plans to come out and meet us. You won't be disappointed. It'll be more like the episode one premiere and less like episode eight. And <laughs> of course, we want to shout out one of our newest patrons, Derek. Derek, as a new patron, we have a little gift for you. It's not like the best gift, like getting a Rancor with its own exclusive Danny Trejo, but still pretty good. Ino Wanawanga. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like that. It's pretty good. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think that the gift is better than that series. <laughs> um, if you're asking yourself why the Star Wars theme today, it's because I was bored. Anyway, if you ever blasted the speeder bikes out from under rampaging Jawas just to hear them shout, Woo as they launched into the air, <laughs> then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 72. I loved that game. <laughs> Which game was that? Super Star Wars on the SNES. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first level you're in Tatooine, you got a, a blaster, you're shooting like scorpions and gremlin frogs and giant dragonflies. And then the second level, you are in the speeder and you are literally shooting Jawas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As God intended. <laughs> and literally when their bikes explode underneath them, they go shooting straight up in the air and they go, whoo did over and over again. Am I the only one who who thought that like Jawas were just Ewoks with like male pattern baldness that they were ashamed of so they covered up? (laughs) How do we know that the normal Ewoks also didn't have male pattern baldness underneath their little hoods? Am I supposed to be walking around with a hood because I'm going bald? (laughs) For shame. I'm not going to lie. I do wear hats a lot more than I did a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back to Pavantis. Last time we left our players, they were on an airship leaving Arkelby and heading south towards Marlek. We had, I guess it was kind of a, a rough time last time. We had uh, the finish, uh, the end of a confrontation between the party 
and some thugs who were trying to get away with their giant crystal, as well as some um, Arkovian soldiers who had magical rifles and two bishops. Those two bishops did end up getting um, awakened by Ebi, our resident Ormek. And um, just as that fight ended with our party recovering the crystal and one of the Arkovian soldiers dying and the other one getting away, our party, along with these two bishops, took to the streets to try to get away from this mess on Baker Way, where buildings were now on fire from all of the fireballs and lightning bolts being shot from these magical guns. And our party split up in an attempt to uh, get away cleanly. Everybody managed to get back to a rendezvous, except for Ebby, who was accompanied by one of these bishops. Due to some really bad rolls and then one really good roll from one of the Arkolvian soldiers, the surviving bishop with Ebby pushed Ebby aside and sacrificed himself to allow Ebby to get away. Uh, hearts were heavy there at the end, um, but our our party did manage to uh, find a secret way out of the city, get back aboard the Allele Eagle, and take off on their trip south to the city of Marlek, where a temple to Laramie exists, and hopefully a way to release Rus from the curse of these two swords. And that's where we're at right now. So aboard the Allele Eagle, flying south, out now over the Sapphire Sea, you guys can see that there are small islands here and there that you would know five years ago didn't actually used to be there. This was all solid ground underneath you. But after the shattering, when the continent cracked and split and in places sunk deep down uh, below sea level, the Sapphire Sea doubled or tripled in size, swallowing up cities, including uh, Merida and Graham and Kedabir. Those are just the ones in the old Arkovi province that no longer exist because of the swelling of the Sapphire Sea. But you know that there are parts of the um, the old Almerian province, the, the city-states of Rakolia, that were also swallowed up. There are new islands dotting the sea and um, now, as you head south, away from Tabori and Arkelvi, it's easier to see some of this devastation that your actions five years ago created. So aboard the Allele Eagle, Nari and the boys, you have nine Ormex and yourselves, and three days until you get to Marlek. <clears throat> we have ten Ormex. Um, D- Daffodil comes up from below. She's like, don't forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Pine is going to take to take Daffodil aside as, as we get onto the airship and say, Daffodil, I know these others can take care of themselves. I got you a gift. And I'm going to take that rifle that I took off of one of the uh, one of the soldiers in Tabri or in Arkelvi, and I'm going to give it to Daffodil and I'll say, practice with this. Point, click, kill. Learn to protect yourself. We'll train together. She looks shocked. The rifle is big. I mean, it's. It's a long rifle. Think like um like musket from like um uh French and Indian War. Daniel Day Lewis, Last of the Mohicans. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Think think like that. Like these rifles are like four feet long. And this rifle is just exquisite. It has like dark black wood, it has golden filigree on it. Every piece of this rifle you can tell was lovingly and very carefully crafted. This is not black powder, this is some other kind of technology. 
the the shots are contained in a single cartridge um and this rifle does hinge at the barrel like a kind of like a shotgun and you can put the the cartridge in and close it and pull the trigger and it will make a loud bang you have um a bag of ammunition that you got off of this dead arkovian soldier as well as one single yellow crystal that fits right in the rifle and you hand it to daffodil she seems um nervous to take it from you why don't you go ahead and make a charisma check think of it more like diplomacy or like hey i've like a a comforting presence and see how you do okay so i have a plus eight but i only rolled a two so that's a ten here take this gun (laughs) (laughs) she seems very very hesitant and um she kind of holds it in her hands and looks very awkward and then she she kind of starts to hand it back to you and she says i that's not for me i i can't i i can't do it that's I appreciate you looking out for me, but thank you, but no. And then she... Ebby Ebby's actually going to walk up at that point and kind of over Pine's shoulder, look to Daffodil and say, no, seriously, you should consider holding on to this to try to give Pine the chance to have some help action on that. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you roll that one more time to get the advantage? Okay, so that's a 19 now. And Pine will say... This isn't just for protecting yourself. Everyone on this ship needs to be able to defend this ship, including you. This is a weapon, an elegant weapon, that I think is well-suited to your abilities now. She um, straightens her shoulders, nods her head once, and says, Okay, I'll do it. And then she proceeds to shoot all of us on accident. <laughs> <laughs> she she immediately puts her finger on the trigger. And you're like, no, 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 no. Trigger discipline, trigger discipline. She's like, what, what did I do? What did I do? We'll practice with it. We're not just going to throw you into a fight or anything. We, you know, while we're up in the air, we'll, we'll throw like clay pigeons and shoot at them and stuff. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, clay pigeons. We just happen to have a whole box of them. All right. So now Daffodil has this beautiful, elegant rifle that she is... Um, kind of, she, it's got a strap on it. She kind of now walks around with it strapped to her back. You also notice that all of the Ormex aboard this ship, um, they have all now scrubbed themselves clean except for Daffodil. Daffodil is still, I believe she is yellow with little white flowers, little blossoms all over her. She's like Janice from the Muppets. Like, hey man, like we're on this airship, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to draw maps, okay? <laughs> She doesn't want anything to do with your guns and your war. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to explore. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I knew that the gun would probably stand out in the hands of an Ormec, especially if they're trying to go incognito. So I figured we'd keep it on the ship and might as well, you know, arm Daffodil with something that in real life is probably easier to to use for a common person than trying to train her in like swordsmanship or something. Yeah, perfect. No, I, I, I totally get it. So, Paul, Marlek, we've never been to Marlek. Roos has been to Marlek. And, and our listeners have been to Marlek, correct? Have they been to Marlek? Wait, when? Isn't that the end of the... Where didn't JV episode end there? It sure did. Oh. Yes, Marlek. Um, in our session zero, this is actually where a big chunk of Scott's session zero for Roos took place, was in the city of Marlek. So, Scott has some information already. Roos knows the city very well. But yes, Marlek is the same city where Artis and Ember and uh, Bert and Hop, where they all 
learned the lyrics to George Michael's songs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they took George Michael to go to his daughter's graduation. Jetterbug. And they promptly got their, um, their treasures. The key that they were looking for, yes, that was the city of Marlek. And that is actually right where you guys are headed right now. As you approach Marlek, I can describe it to you. Is there anything else anybody wants to do before we arrive in Marlek? Russell bring up to the party. There is a skyport in Marlek. The city's not affiliated with Rokolia or Almar. I'm fairly certain that we should be able to park it in the city without any problems. Do we need a parallel park or are we good? <laughs> I don't know. Daffodil, how are you on uh, piloting the thing? Man, we're, give, we're, we're putting a lot, of, a lot of skills on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> she, she turns around and um, sweeps you all with the rifle. What did you say? <laughs> Pine will say, do we know the current political situation in Marlek? Uh, or the, the, uh, the, it's Dathan, right? Is the country, the country's Dathan? It is Dathan, but I'm not, I'm not certain of the political situation. Why don't you guys all make history checks? And then that, that'll kind of give us a, an idea of what you guys know going into this. All right. Pine rolled a 12 on his history check. Nari rolled a seven. Roos got an 18. Ebby rolled an 18, which is weird because he does not have great history knowledge. You guys are twinning, Roos and Abby. Ooh. Yeah, Abby, you got like a negative one. That means you rolled a 19. Good job. So uh, we have two 18s. <clears throat> you guys are definitely going to have the most information. Um, so as far as the country of Dathan, Dathan is called the Principality of Dathan. Um, it is the former Lyran province, which was this kind of long peninsula that jutted out between the Almerian Sea and the Lyran Sea. Um, the capital of Dathan is the city of Lirin, um, but Marlek is this kind of northernmost city on the principality or in the principality of Dathan, which is now, instead of it being a peninsula, it has now broken up into this archipelago of islands. You would know that um, over the last few years, as uh, Dathan kind of became united as a nation again, um, it was a bloody affair where the the quote-unquote crown prince, the person who crowned himself as the prince, actually ended up um, having all of his rivals for the throne assassinated. Um, and so there is a crown prince, um, and there is you know very little opposition to him because all of the opposition was killed. Um, so Dathan is um, it has a little bit of a, a very recent history, of a very bloody uh, recent history. The city of Marlek itself... Um, is kind of a little bit of a a resort town, kind of. It's got a beach there that's very popular. Um, tourists will come down here for um, the weather because it's very nice most of the time. It's it's warm um, most of the year. The sea here is uh, is warm as well. Um, there is also this fortress. Um, so it's right on the coast, and there's this small island off the coast, um, and there is this fortress called the Bastion, and. Roos has some intimate knowledge of the Bastion of Marlek. Um, that's what you guys kind of know going into this. Um, there was a bloody, a bloody fight for succession of the of the throne, and now there is a crown prince. Roos had a question about Marlek and about um, parking the airship at the Skyport or doing what you guys have done in other places. So I guess that conversation still needs to happen. I've never, like, officially parked an airship anywhere. Like, what, what are we looking at for, like, port fees, taxes, all those things? Do we need to have a manifest? Do we need to have any of that official documentation to be safe? 
parking this year? <laughs> you know, I've never been part of the upper crust, so I, I I've never traveled in an airship that I owned before. So I'm not familiar with that. But I'm sure when we when we get there, they'll let us know. It's the beaches are incredible. I mean, I know we're going to try and be quick, but you got to at least see it. Bruce, you would also know just kind of with your background that even if you do need manifest, there's a very real possibility you could grease some palms and everything would be just fine. I'm sure I could talk to somebody to get us through whatever sort of customs that they have at the gate. Okay. And envisioning an airport and, you know, TSA, all that. <laughs> Is this like canon past 9-11? <laughs> oh, Sabrina, you just hit it right on the head. This is actually future Earth. Oh. <laughs> you guys, now I have to rewrite episode 99. Okay. <laughs> As you guys approach the city of Marlek, this is now three days later. Um, the wind is still blowing up here because you're up high, um, but you have noticed that it is getting warmer and warmer as you travel further and further south. Marlek, you see, is kind of, you, you, you kind of, you see it from a distance first, and you see this city that is built on a cliff that overlooks the Lyran Sea. And off of the east um, coast of this cliff, you can see there's a smaller island, or this little small island that's off the coast and it's connected to the mainland. When I say mainland, it's just the much larger island um, that Marlek is on. You can see that there is this beautiful bridge span that crosses over the, the strait or whatever it is that separates the two cliffs. You see that this smaller island is dominated by this mat- massive fortress um, that Roos knows all too well. Did you almost say mattress? I did say <laughs> <laughs> This mattress fort. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of community and the pillow forts. (laughs) Even better. As you look down over the city of Marlock, you can see the streets are very orderly. You can see like, you know, from a distance, you see um, the tiniest speck of people moving around uh, through the uh, through the city. You can see that um, up on the western side of the city, um, the buildings are, are larger, they're more spacious, they have bigger yards. Um, you can see that there are, um, on that western side, there are two churches. Uh, one of them is pretty big. It's probably, it's bigger than any of the churches that you guys have seen before. It's bigger than anything in Oracle V. It has this large um, for lack of a better, I mean, I'll just explain to you what it is. There's this, a telescope. Um, so if you look at like a, a cathedral and how it has like, it's like a T-shaped kind of thing. And in the center where the T crosses, um, this has like a dome. And coming out of the dome, you can see the end of this massive telescope. And you know, this is the, uh, the Temple of the Stars. Uh, it's dedicated to the Lord and Lady of the sky, the night sky. The other temple that you can see up there on the west side is, is smaller. That's really all you can tell from this distance. Um, on the north side of the city, uh, you can see that outside of the city wall, there is a, a small cluster of buildings um, that, Roos, you would know, that leads down to the beach. That leads down to Spirit Beach. And um, that is where a lot of the people from out of town like to stay because it's very close to the beach. Um, the streets, um, they kind of make way from dirt or cobblestone to sand. Um, and it looks very peaceful and beautiful on the south side of the city um, is a different story again you see these these houses and things that are built outside the city walls but they are kind of built every which way houses of all shapes and sizes that are stacked and 
you know, sharing walls and just there's no real rhyme or reason to where these buildings have been placed. And um, Roos, at least, would know that this part of the city um, outside of the city walls is called the Jumble. I'm I'm on Legend Keeper and I'm looking at Spirit Beach. Is that a teeny little baby next to that like sandcastle water area? A teeny little baby? Now I got to check this out. Hey, patrons, go check out Spirit Beach in Marlek on Legend Keeper. The and if, you're, if you are currently not a patron, consider joining our Patreon. What is that? <laughs> it's terrifying. No, oh, okay. my goodness. <laughs> it's a creepy doll. It's a creepy doll. It looks like the Allie McBeal baby. Oh, my God. So if you if you are a patron. Go to the actual icon and then go and look. Okay, so here's the deal, you guys. Come on, guys. (laughs) I was trying to give the feel of like this kind of resort type beach. So there's tents there. Demonic babies. (laughs) There is a shovel and a bucket and a hole where kids have been digging and playing. And then one of them left their toy out and it's this doll. I don't think that's a kid's toy. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at the preview image, you get a better view, like a face-on view. You can see it's just a little doll sitting there. Welcome to Marlek. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> Welcome to Marlek, a nice place to sit and relax in the sun, in the sand, in the water, and hopefully relieve yourself of a couple of cursed swords. The Skyport is kind of in the, um, uh, towards the south, um, kind of in the southwest section of the uh, of the city. You can see by the southern gate, there is this big, like, basically, for lack of a better term, this big Arc de Triomphe. There's this big uh, elaborate arc, uh, uh, arch with um, statuary, you know, uh, on it, um, depicting some kind of historical events in the, either the empire or in the um, history of of this area before the empire. Um, and there's this square, um, this, it's called Celeste's square. At least that's what it was called back in the days of the empire. And, um, and just to the North of that square, you can see this large tower, um, sticking high up into the air. It's at this, in this part of the city, it's definitely the tallest part. And you can see that coming off of this tower, there are four large, basically docks, these piers that stick out over the city and um you can see that one of them is currently occupied by a an airship and uh, it looks like basically you pull up to the dock and then you lash on just like you would a ship you you know throw the ropes and hook on to the the things what are those called the cleats or the um the the big metal things that you tie a ship off to when you come to port um so that is where the uh, skyport is so is that where you guys are going I guess so, yes. Yeah, why not? Listen, everybody. Specifically talking to the Ormex on board. In order to keep you incognito, I think we may have to talk a little down to you while you're on the ship. Because we'll probably be boarded. They're probably going to do some kind of inspection. To not rouse suspicion, it may be best that uh, we play a terrible part here. Jessamine, who you guys have had some experience with before, um, she's one of the liberators of one of these groups. Um, she nods. She says, "Yes, we expected this. This, this is why we we cleaned ourselves up and and got rid of our markings. We we're ready for this to play the part." Evie will turn to Pine and say, "It won't be a problem." Okay, right. The Allele Eagle sails up and slows down just as it approaches 
one of these piers that sticks out over the city of Marlech. As you approach, you can see that there are actually workers on this pier waiting for you guys to get closer, and they start tossing lines back and forth, and they actually start doing a lot of the work to get you to get you tied right up to the to the edge of this of this pier. Um, after that work is done, I guess are you guys all up on the deck, or what are you guys doing as they're tying off the ship? Yeah, Roos Roos will be on the deck waiting for, you know, whoever, if they're trying to board, to chat with them. Yeah, I think Nari would kind of just be up there, you know, keeping an eye out for anything suspicious. Ebby will have his um, kind of magical disguise in place, and he'll also be on the deck. Pine will be on the deck as well, yeah. So you all four are up on the deck, and um, as these workers are, like, tying things off, they're, like, wearing, like... um, um, not vests like what uh, what Roos wears, but they're like wearing sleeveless sleeveless jerkins, you know, um, and rough pants. And you can tell that like their hands are callous. They got big muscles from running lines all day. Um, they uh, they get the ship all tied off, and just as they're finishing up, you can see this man uh, step uh, in the center of the tower. You can see there are staircases going up and down. And there's also these strange contraptions right in the center of the tower that you guys um, would know are these lifts, these elevators that um, are used to get the goods off of the airships and to drop them uh, down to the to the street level to um, get them um, you know, to the, the people who live in the city. Um, this man comes walking uh, from one of these lifts. He is dressed in this, uh, Pine has that blue frock coat. This is like a, a light blue or a sky blue. Um, and it has like a lot of like embroidery and gold on it. And um, it even has like a little badge of office, like a little ribbon with a, with like a, a, a golden raindrop, teardrop looking thing um, at the top. And he comes up, uh, walks up to the ship and uh, calls out and he says, permission to come aboard. Permission granted. He uh, steps up. One of the workers actually holds out his hand and helps him kind of step up onto the dock. And as he walks in and he, he walks up to um, Ebby, because Ebby is the one who spoke. And he says, I am Custom Master Silvio, and I am here to inspect your documentation. Uh, documentation. Uh, is that like shipping manifests or what in particular? We just came to uh, to stop by one of the temples here as we're on, on route. Are you delivering goods? Are you planning on selling anything in the city? Uh, no, we don't have any intention of selling any wares. We're a private vessel, not a merchant vessel. Well, I'm sure you have something that um, shows who you are then, correct? Some kind of documentation? We can't just let anyone... Park here. I mean, who knows? This ship might not really be yours, right? Yes. Well, I mean, clearly it's ours, as we are the ones <laughs> operating it and flying it. Um, is there like a general continental uh, registry out there that we should have been informed to to contact? This seems highly unusual. Uh, I, Sir Bortimer, would be very displeased if I had to go to back to my sovereign and tell them that I was deposed here under false pretenses. Uh, um, make a deception check. <laughs> also, yeah, I love the blusteriness of uh, Ebby right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and where is Roos with this greasing palms thing that he was talking about? I was ready to grease some palms, but this is entertaining. I think Roos, Roos would know kind of just because I think that you've done most of the travel by airship that, you know, it's not that there's like a an international registry, but every 
every there's there's some kind of documentation that most people have when you own a ship and that's to keep people who are like pirates and things uh from coming to your city right it's to 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 keep that kind of stuff from happening uh to keep the whatever the robbery and the stealing of of airships and things to a minimum and does this guy look to be like official oh super official like the jacket is like like the gold thread in it is almost blinding with the sunlight bouncing off of it that's how official he is like we couldn't just hand him a piece of paper and be like this is our writ and he'd be like "Mm, yes quite can't read the kind of cat that just loves paperwork (laughs) like oh yeah you even got it signed? Ooh. <laughs> the bureau cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining a cat in a little in a little suit with a tie and a monocle. Oh my god, I love him. Purrs loudly when you provide him something that's already been collated. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so what was your deception check? Yes. I, so Evy rolled a 15 on deception. I was going to ask because we just we came from Tabory and we're kind of like not on official Tabory business. Would we have thought in advance to get any kind of writ from Kira? Oh, that's a, okay. Well, let's uh, let's just make a, a luck roll, okay? Because your players know nothing about shipping and this kind of travel, so let's just make a luck roll. We did not study up on that, right? Okay. I'm I'm going to double down on the whole bluffing thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be to be fair, you guys have spent so much time in the Empire and moving around in the Empire. The Empire didn't have rules like this because it was all, you know, it was all one nation. Uh, so you, from province to province, you didn't have to do this anyway. Um, OK. So you're saying life was a little bit better under the Empire. Is that it? The trains were on time. <laughs> I'm not saying that there might be people in the world who say that. So, some have said that. I'm not saying it. Here comes a D20 for the luck. D20 for the luck. Odds is uh, is yes, evens is no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God, Scott. No, hey, no, no, no. I said, I just said odds is odds is yes, you did. Evens is no, you did not. Okay, so in, so, so a natural one is actually good. Yay. Oh, man. <laughs> in this case, yes. <laughs> we did it, guys. <laughs> That's the best natural one I've ever rolled. I imagine Evie is getting all blustery. Like, what? How dare you? As Roos just kind of pulls out this paper that's signed by Kira and has like an official seal on it and everything. <laughs> Silvio, look, my, my friend here gets a little bit blustery, but here's the paperwork. Since we're not planning on doing any sort of selling or purchasing while we're here, we'll just be here for a day or so. What is the, uh, what is the docking fee? And I think that's all that we need you for right now. While you're saying that, Roos, Ebby is all like, Me get blustery, the great Bortimer has never been subject to such ridiculous <laughs> bureaucracy ever before. I cannot believe that they would detain me as... And he just kind of wanders off yelling loudly to himself. You know what's funny is he's not even the captain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, he takes the paper, he starts looking through it, and, he, and he's, uh, you know, he, he, he heard your question, but he's kind of looking over, making sure everything is all official. And then he, he hands it back. He says, oh yes, uh, country of Tabri, everything seems to be in order. Uh, docking fees are 20 gold per day. Do we pay that up front or uh, what do you expect from us right now? Well, if you're, if, well, to dock now is 20 gold. Okay. And, and you will be impounded um, this time tomorrow if I don't, if we don't get 20 more gold. So if you're going to be here for a couple days, it's probably better to just pay now. Are you going to put a boot on us? <laughs> He's going to pop the bubble. Oh, no. <laughs> 
They can disconnect the wheel from the rudder. They can put they can put clamps on things to keep us from being able to turn. It's like a boot. It's fine. We will pay the 20 gold and we'll be on our way. I don't expect us to need to to stay two days, but if it comes to that, we would be happy to pay an additional 20. Thank you. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Enjoy the city of Barlek. Has it though? Has it been a pleasure? <laughs> he's he's walking away, just like rubbing the the gold between his fingers. I want everyone to make a um uh, perception check. This is just a dock worker with a fancy coat, isn't it? I got a seven. Nari got a fourteen. Evie rolled a ten. Roos got a twelve. That was a nat one. Oh, no. Second nat one in a row. But the last nat one was like a good nat one, so it kind of evens out. <laughs> Didn't you have three nat twenties in a row a couple sessions ago? I did. Yeah. 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 It's it's hey, it's it's Lady Jaffa balancing it out. Ooh. Oh my goodness. I love she it. She does do that, yes. See, see, Roos, she is here. She is with you. And she's the <laughs> worst. And she's royally screwing up your roles. <laughs> <laughs> You all step down off the Allele Eagle. You are in this tower. There are staircases going down. There are some lifts that will take you down as well. Um, and I imagine, um, unless you guys want to say anything more to the Ormex, they kind of know what they're going to do. They're going to just stay on the ship and stay out of sight, um, but make sure that nobody goes through the ship while you guys are gone. Um, that's kind of what they had planned to do. While we're going down the lift, Abby is like, did you see that? I was putting on quite the performance. I don't want to brag, but I think even Tedward would have been impressed by that. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you could find a, a career in acting after all this is over. Do you think so? I mean, I've never imagined myself a thespian, but I could give it a shot, right? Yeah, I think since you can't do facial expressions, I think you'd have to overcompensate with your arms. Kind of like when you were shouting back there, you're kind of flailing your arms all over the place. Just more of that. I think that'd be great. Yes. We, we need more art. <laughs> like a Muppet. Yes, just like a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, as you guys go down the lift, the thing that you guys all missed, and this is, this, it, you guys do not know this, but you missed that um, Silvio took 10 of those gold and put them in his own pocket. The bureau cat. Oh, curse him. But you guys, yeah, he's quite the bureau cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lift, the lift um, oh, comes down to the street level. And as you guys uh, step out of the lift and out of the tower, um, you step out into a bright, uh, sunshiny, um, late morning. Um, and the sun is shining. There's a few wispy clouds in the sky. You see people moving to and fro. From where you're standing, if you were to go basically directly to the west, you would be on a street called Diamond Lane. And that is where the posh, posh shops are. At the end of Diamond Lane, at the edge of the city, up over on this cliff overlooking a forest, um, is the Temple of, uh, of the Stars, uh, where the graduation happened a couple episodes ago with the JV team. As you are standing here at the Skyport, directly south of you, you see um, a temple. And this temple, Roos, you know, having been here before, that is the temple, the temple of Lord Laramie. Do you guys want to find accommodation somewhere and I can try and get things settled? Do you want some support, some backup? I welcome the company, but I, I won't require anyone to come with me. I'd prefer to be there with you. I would love to come with you, my friend. 
Honestly, and, and not just to support you, but I, I've never been in a city where there was worship to the Lord of Swords, and I think it might be fitting for me to go see how how the Lord of Swords is worshipped, being as my history with swords. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like there should be more Lords of Axes, but... Uh... <laughs> oh my gosh. You go around. So right now you're standing at the back of the temple. Um, the skyport kind of lets lets you down onto the street level. And you can tell that the entrance is around on the south side of this building. As you walk around this building, you see that it has this kind of light gray uh, brickwork that um, is, the building is made of up, up of. The, the roof is red. It is this kind of rectangular building, uh, longer north to south uh, than it is um, east to west. And you can see that there are these windows all along the sides of this building. It appears to only be a single story, but the, but the roof is very, very high. As you get around to the front entrance of the Temple of Lord Laramie, you can see uh, double doors. I imagine that you step into the temple. As you push the doors open, you are immediately in this kind of, uh, this nave, this long central um, walkway. It's fairly wide, it's about 30 feet wide. Um, there are carpets that run down the center. And then um, down the nave, there is also a, um, on either side, there are these colonnades. Um, you can see that there are these um, these archways that open up into um, these uh, these sections of the building on the east and on the west side. And as you look through them, you can see that um, there are these uh, fenced off areas that have um, different color tile for the floor. But in the center of the tile, there is piled up sand. You would know, uh, anybody who knows anything about Lord Laramie, these are actually like fighting pits um, where people come and they test their skill with a blade. I got ahead of myself running along the side of the nave. You see these separate little tables and on each of these tables are different swords. Some of them are broken. Some of them are old. Some of them are in mint condition. A couple of these tables have helmets on them or some like shield or something. And you would imagine these are some kind of swords or weapons of heroes of some kind who um, their blades have been brought here to this temple um, as a as a sacrament, as an offering to Lord Laramie. Um, as you enter the chapel or the uh, the temple, you can hear the sounds of swordplay kind of off to the west. You hear some laughing and some grunting. Um, down the center aisle, you see a couple of people are kind of milling about, looking at some of these swords. Um, you see that everyone in here has a sword at their waist. As you get to, to the kind of the end of the nave, uh, this central hallway, you can see there is this pedestal and there is this statue of this beautiful and thin kind of wiry, lean figure um, standing in front of an altar. And on the altar, you can see that there are a couple of swords at rest there. You imagine this statue is supposed to represent Lord Laramie. But it's not even close. His nose is so much bigger in real life. <laughs> Wasn't he covered with like a helmet? Like, dude, we didn't see his face. Oh, you were making it. You were. You were. <laughs> 
Don't be difficult there, Pine. <laughs> you could see his nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, um, here in this Temple of Lord Laramie, you can see there are different people milling about. You can see as you kind of move into the temple and glance left and right, you can see that over on the west side of the building, you can see a man and a woman in one of these fighting pits are squaring off. Uh, the the woman is using like a long sword and the man is looks like he's using um, a great sword and they are sparring back and forth you know, quote unquote, trading blows. They're not actually striking each other, but they are trying to touch each other with the blade. Um, you see there is a man dressed very finely in like a uh, like a, a gray suit with red trim and like a, a cravat. Think of like Austin Powers, his, his like a lacy cravat um, sticking out of the top um, is kind of watching them and uh, uh, shouting out little pointers and things. He's got tan skin. The guy who's pointing out is like uh, shouting out pointers. He's got tan skin, black hair, got like white wings of hair at the temples. Um, you can see that he's like, he is also like the statue in the center of the, of the temple. He is lean and sinewy and he has kind of that body of, of a fencer. Um, somebody who would be more likely to use like a light blade. Like pine in his prime. Yeah, like pine in his prime. And at his waist, he does have a uh, a rapier at his waist. Um, and then straight ahead of you, in front of that statue, there are two other figures that kind of stand out. There is kind of this thin, young, probably, you know, 21, 22, kind of reedy, kind of hunched over guy. Who's, he's like talking to this other man who is sitting down um, on the stairs right in front of the statue, wearing... Um, he's got like tights on and he's got like pantaloons, like puffy pants over that. Um, but he doesn't have a shirt on. He's quite large, like, like muscular. Um, and he is, um, kind of wiping his face with a cloth and he has a big grin on his face and sitting next to him is this large Zweihander, this big, like, um, two handed massive great sword. And he appears to be, um, listening to what the reedy, thin man is saying and he is enjoying what he is hearing uh, but you guys are too far away to hear um, as you enter into the temple you can hear that fight that's going on over on the west side of the building you can hear a clang clang and then a voice ah she got you the match is over and then um, you can see that the man and the woman who are fighting over there, the man sets his sword down and then he um, bows to the woman he was fighting. And then they both go and start to kind of clean up, wipe off and everything. And then this finely dressed man uh, steps over into the nave and sees that you have entered. He approaches you, steps down towards the four of you, and he says, Good morning and welcome to the temple of Lord Laramie, the Lord of Swords. I am Saman, the master of this temple. Well, good morning. I, I've never been to a, uh, a temple of the Lord of Swords before. He looks at the sword at your waist and he says, but I imagine you've said a prayer to him or two. He has a, a, a kind of a smile on his face. He seems good natured. Yes, we've, we've spoken before. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like your devotees know how to fight. Oh, of course. That's all we do here. We, we train in the art of the blade, the dance, the, the show of swordplay. It is, it is life. It is life. Nari is going to try to hide it, but like slightly offended that they're so into swords. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the axes? Come on, guys. I mean, well, are other bladed weapons permitted in here for part of your worship? 
Or is it just all, all, you know, swords, just a short hand, shorter handle, longer blade? No creativity. Well, I mean, just variety, even. Lord Laramie is the lord of, of swords, of, of swords. Um, if you are thinking smaller and like daggers, go, you know, Lady Nasseri, she's, she's the sneaky one. She, she likes daggers and, and, um, thin blades that are, Easily concealed. No, Lord Laramie is all about show. <coughs> Have you seen that axe on her back? That is all about show. <laughs> <laughs> My companions here, I'm sure we didn't just show up in their in their temple just to start trash talking swords, did we? No, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love swords. I love swords. I mean, they're fine. It is it's, It is quite an impressive display of power you have going on here. I, uh, I can appreciate having fought men and women with axes and spears, the power that they wield as well. But Lord Laramie is the Lord of Swords, and I have dedicated my life to serving him. I hope that you're not offended that I'm not super interested in your axe. You can be interested in whatever you like. There is no judgment. <laughs> I'm a little bit perplexed that we showed up and just started like immediately <laughs> trash talking. So swords, that's like your only thing then, huh? It's kind of lame if I'm honest. He's <laughs> literally the Lord of Swords. <laughs> I didn't start by, tr- it wasn't supposed to be trash talking. I was just like, so tell, you know, hey, do you do other edged weapons here too? <laughs> it's like, it's like walking into like a Christian church and being like, so what about like, are there other gods at all that you guys, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Ganesh is pretty cool, right? Like, <laughs> you can tell, you can tell that he's taken this all in stride, right? He, he seems to have a good nature about him. And he says, have you come to test your might and your skill here at the temple of Lord Laramie? Well, that does sound entertaining. I'm stricken with a curse that only worship at Lord Laramie's temple can remove from me he rolled an insight check it's herpes <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't seem to understand and he says if you are cursed with a lack of skill then surely there's no better place to train than here damn it is no, nothing of that sort i can't profess to be as good as any of these acolytes that i've witnessed fighting here but but i am familiar with the blade do you Wish to speak in private, young man? Yes, if you have a moment. Of course I do. Please, come with me. As Roos leaves with him, Pine will say, Remember, Roos, the difference between honesty and candor. Don't go crushing this man's worldview. (laughs) Yes, honesty and candor. I will try my hardest to remember what those words mean. Uh, so, <laughs> try not to be too honest and show that axes are better than swords, though. <laughs> <laughs> Little peek behind the scenes right now. Um, I just went and watched the live Nad Pod show uh, last night in Portland. I feel a little bit like Caldwell must have felt up there on stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're razzing you. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, as you, um, um, Roos, as you step um, uh, and follow. Master Saman, um, you go past the um, this statue um, dedicated uh, a depiction of of Lord Laramie, which you know is not not accurate. And as you do, you uh, you pass by this large man without his shirt on, who's kind of wiping the sweat off of his face, and you see this this thinner man who's saying, "Oh, Tristan, 
you're you got them so good. You're you're bound to do it. You're bound to take it. And Tristan just kind of like waves him off and says, "Yes, yes, I know Havid. Ah, I just wish there was a challenge here in this city for me." And then um, Saman will take you down past there to the north edge of the temple where there is a um a spiral staircase heading down and we are now going to be splitting the party wait does anyone want to go with him specifically can we go with him um nobody has attempted to follow when they said private i i figured pine would stick stay behind yeah i think uh, ebby would honor that and not go as well Bruce, there's a spiral staircase heading down. As you go down this spiral staircase, it leads out into this large, uh, very elegantly decorated, um, like 25 feet by 25 feet uh, room uh, with uh, paintings on the walls. Straight ahead um, on the south wall, as you come down these spiral staircases, you can see there is a, uh, a painting, very, very well done, of a thin man with a sword in each hand. And um, he looks like he's vanquishing some kind of unseen black, misty, kind of smoky creatures that are off on the periphery. But the painting is definitely depicting um, this this being here in the center. And as you look at it, you imagine this must be a depiction of Lord Lord Laramie. As you look to the, um, the eastern wall and the, and the western wall, each wall has two doors on it. Um, on uh, There are two like wooden doors, and then there are two um, uh, steel uh, like almost like cell doors, slatted um, like bar prison doors almost, um, like you'll sometimes see in old, old churches. Um, and um, through those bars, you can see that there is a small hallway on either side of the room. Um, and it looks like it might branch uh, or it might go um, out a little ways and then head south. Um, but uh, Master Saman brings you down here in front of this picture and he says, Son, what troubles you so? What is this curse you speak of? And, um, Roos, why don't you make an insight check? Insight. Roos got a 24 on his insight. You can see, as you're talking with Master Saman, he is he is presenting himself as the, um, kind of the fatherly, um, you know, kind, um, I'm gonna help you out figure. You can see a little, um, almost like a little twitch tremor in his fingertips. Um, And you sense that he is nervous is the wrong word, but you sense there is some fear in him. There's just a little tick that you are detecting. I have come across a relic that belongs to Lord Laramie. And in my carrying it and acquiring it, I have been cursed so that I cannot rid myself of this part of the process of, of freeing myself from these swords and Roos will pull out the lead lined box say I need to get rid of them here in the temple to Lord Laramie you see his demeanor change from the confident look that he had before to one of concern and worry and then he says so you know the truth (laughs) I was beginning to wonder if you knew anything about it as well 
he looks around um, and he kind of looks like kind of like a back up the stairs, you know, kind of make sure that he's coming down. And he says, in this temple, I am the only one who knows the truth and it will always be that way. Let me show you something. And then he takes you to um, the these uh, these uh, kind of cell doors are exactly opposite of each other. And he takes you to the one on the eastern wall. And then he um, pulls out a large key, an old key, and he opens it and he takes you through. And you can see that as you go um, into this hallway, the tiling in this hallway is the same as it is out in the kind of the main area down here in the basement. Um, but as you round the corner and head south, you can see that the actual tile changes once it's out of sight. And it is now a deep, dark red, almost a blood red. And he leads you back around. Um, basically, um, you take a, a right and then another right, and then you're in this large room. And you can see on the opposite edge of this room, it looks like the hallway on the opposite side must lead around here to the same area, right? So there's like basically two doors that lead here to the same room. Um, this room is about the same size as the um, as the entryway was, or as the as the first room you were in down here in the basement, about 25 feet by 25 feet. However, at the south edge of this room, there is a plinth, an altar, and on the altar, there is a black statue carved of onyx or some kind of just black stone, very dark, and it is unmistakably some kind of demon. There are horns, there are wings, there are claws. You can see that around this altar are five swords, and then this demon is actually holding in each of its hands a sword. Um, you notice that the one in the left hand is actually just a broken hilt, but it's holding swords. This looks like an ancient, very old monument to the reality of, of Lord Laramie. This looks much more like I recall. Master Saman nods. He says, I can help you. I need to know the nature of these blades. Are they, are they his? So leading up to this, I was playing in my mind how I was going to convince you what Laramie really was. It's so much easier than I expected. Um, yes, these two blades belonged to him. He puts his hand on your shoulder and he draws you in closer to the shrine and he says, and he's kind of explaining it a little bit. Um, to you. He says, I did not set out to worship any motions to the statue. Uh, a demon, a devil, a, a, a foul being from hell or wherever he comes from. I did not set out to do that. But when I eventually reached the rank of master, I realized that the worship of Laramie is more important than who Laramie is. What he represents to people is more important. And now as the master of this shrine, it is my responsibility to appease Laramie. Not because I necessarily approve of who he is and of the things that he must have done, but to keep his wrath at bay. Does that make sense? 
It does. If I can keep him content, then we'll all be better off for it. And that is why I continue to worship him even after finding out who he is. Well, I mean, I don't want to disrupt whatever worship relationship you have, but I watched him die. You see a very slight nod, and he says, I assumed as much when certain gifts stopped flowing to me. I just want to make sure I'm understanding you. You previously were bestowed some sort of benefits or abilities by Laramie that you no longer have. I was able to call upon him for power. Not a lot. Not like some of these other acolytes to the other lords and ladies. I wasn't raining down lightning or healing diseases. No, but there were certain certain gifts that I was granted. Uh, extra speed or occasionally my sword seemed to leap of its own accord and protect me uh, from a blow that would have felled me for sure. But that all stopped with the shattering of Pavantus. <laughs> but you have his swords? He held off the shattering. For better or worse, whatever he was, part of the reason the shattering didn't happen who knows how many thousands of years ago was because of him. And when he passed, I took his swords to to try and further that goal of preventing this inevitability that he was fighting against. They're too strong for me. I can't handle myself. I can't control myself when I have them. He puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, they were never meant for mortals. <laughs> now, how many do you have? I have two of them. And they're in this case. Bring it with you up here to the altar. And he steps up to the altar and he motions for you to place it in front of him. Russell kneel down and place it in front of him on the altar. You can see him take a deep breath. And he turns to you, Bruce, and he says, this will take some time. Not because, well, because I don't want the same fate to befall me that has befallen you. And he kneels down in front of the box and puts his hands on the box and begins to breathe and meditate and collect himself. And Roos, you sit there watching as we jump back upstairs <laughs> to the first floor of the temple. What's everybody doing? Are you guys going to hang out here and wait for Roos? Are you guys going to talk with some of these people? Um, like, what, what are you guys going to do? Looking at the swords on display? Pine will actually go up and he, he will, if, uh, you know, has, has started just having a small conversation, as old men sometimes do with random strangers. Uh, the, the the reedy man and the big guy with his Y-hander up by the altar and be like, oh man, in my younger days, I would have been here every day. This place is amazing. You just, you just fight all the time. <laughs> well, the, the, the strong man, the guy who was uh, named Tristan, he... Uh, kind of laughs. He says, well, we don't fight all day, of course. Pardon. And then he says, are you from Menarest? But he says it in Menarese. Shoot. And I will say, we. 
<laughs> and then he switches to Menorese and he says, ah, you know, here in Dathan, I can't find a worthy opponent. It seems like everyone who comes to face me is just, well, they're not good enough. I, I need a challenge. And I mean, we all know that the best swordsmen come from Menorest. That is, that is of a truth. The, uh, <coughs> flattering. <laughs> Yes, we, we yeah, they, they had that what that or what what were they called the the sword the heaven swords or something? Oh yes, the the four swords of the heavens. He says, of course we have the four swords of the heavens. And then Harvid, the skinny guy, goes, yeah, Tristan here. Tristan, he was trained by the blossoming storm of the western sky himself. Shoot. And Tristan says, now, now, Harvid, now, Harvid. I've heard that guy's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, you were trained by the by the blossoming storm. Yes, I was. He trained you in with that that huge thing. He trained me in swordplay. Yes. Do you still wield a blade, old man? He says, "Old man," in a respectful way. Yeah, kind of. Uh, 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 he's kind of ribbing you a little bit, but not in a mean way. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. He's kind of just trying to. He's being playful. Well, I still wear it, and I I'm sure I can still draw blood with it. Tell me, this blossoming storm of the western sky, you, you trained you trained with him how long ago? Oh, um, I just finished my training with him about six months ago, actually. <clears throat> and I'm here looking for worthy opponents because I've learned all I can from him. I'm hoping within the year to go back and challenge him for his place. Ah. Is anybody else around hearing this conversation? Well, it's in Menorese, so they'd have they'd have to know Menorese. Oh, that's true. This is in Menorese. Ebby is near. Obviously, he's not paying much attention and couldn't understand the conversation anyway. He's he's focused on where he saw Roos disappear to. So he's he's kind of like, where is he? Hopefully, he's okay. Um, but he's standing by Pine. And uh, where is uh, Nari? Honestly, Nari is trying to. But like she was trying to be as out of sight as possible while like casually looking at one of these swords um, that are decorating the hallway and trying to figure out what their significance is. Um, you can see that as you're looking at these different swords, there are little plaques and they have like the name of the bearer of that sword. And then it has a little description, um, very short, just of what this person did that was so significant with this specific blade. Like one says, like, held off seven attackers at the Battle of the Fords. And one says, you know, um, fought a hippogriff. I don't know, I don't know some, something else. But it, these are... So it's not the blades themselves that are significant. It's more just like the axe done with them. Exactly. Exactly. The swords themselves are not necessarily magical. In fact, as you're looking at them, a lot of them just look mundane. And it's more the axe and the the acts of bravery and of and of um, chivalry and of swordplay that were done that have earned these blades the respect. Not the axe of bravery, though. <laughs> that's, right. that's your axe. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. No, honestly, I think Nari will kind of be actually honestly checking those out and like reading those plaques and enjoying the museum that is to bravery. Um, all right. So back to Pine and um, Tristan. Well, Pine will say to Tristan again, the kind of returning the, the ribbing and say, well, pup, if you uh, have the time, I wouldn't mind. Swinging this sword again, 
to see what the to see what the the new blossoming storm of the western sky is teaching his pupils. He takes the rag that he's been wiping his face with and he kind of tosses it over to um, the the skinny guy, Harvid. And he's like, ha, finally, maybe you'll be a challenge for me. And then he stands up and grabs his sword and he says, come. And he walks over to the east side of the room, um, heading over to um, one of these fighting pits. And he goes and stands in the sand. He um, kind of starts to stretch a little bit, swings the sword around a little bit over his head. Nobody else really understood that conversation, but you see this guy finish his conversation with Pine and instantly go into one of these fighting pits. And I imagine Pine is following. Oh yeah, Pine is totally following. And as he goes, he doesn't take off his jacket or anything. He's just kind of going with his cane and his sword uh, at still, still on his waist and he'll walk into the fighting Perfect. pit as well. Oh, heck. Abby's like, Pine? Pine? What? Where are you going? Pine? Don't, uh, don't worry. It's just, it's friendly. What? And then I'll turn back into Menorese and I'll say, what are the rules of this fight? And Paul, that's also for you mechanically. Like, what, how are we fighting this? So what Tristan says is he says, first to, first to draw blood. The way that we're going to run this mechanically is you are going to be using whatever skills you want to use. Um, you don't have to declare it as being um, non-lethal. It will be non-lethal, at least, you know, that's the intention is it will be non-lethal. Unless I say I really want to kill this dude. Correct. But the way it's going to work is that basically as your hit points deplete, don't think of it as actually taking damage. Think of it as your guard and your um, in your um, you, you become more fatigued. And then when you hit zero hit points, whoever hits zero hit points first, they are the ones who will then get the nick. That, should, that draws blood, and they will be the loser, if that makes sense. So you are playing to death, but think of this more like a short rest and you're, you're back to normal. So even any spells or anything that you want to use, like smites and stuff like that, those will all come back after a short rest, even though normally they don't, because this is all just sparring. Exhibition. It's just exhibition. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, as, as you guys are standing in this pit, the, the tile around it is red. You can see Harvid, the skinny guy, is like, um, he's all excited, like, you're going to get him, Tristan. Yeah, you're totally going to get him. This, is, this guy is just kind of like super weenie. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody else is good. <laughs> he's that kid in high school who was like, oh, you bumped into somebody. He's like, oh, they're gonna be, there's going to be a fight and tries to get a fight going all the time. You're exactly, yeah. Oh, there's a fight, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Guys, He's fight. your groupie. <laughs> he totally is. He's just hanging on to his tails. Hype man. You got to have a hype man, man. Exactly. So um, people start to gather around this fighting pit. Um, it seems obvious that this guy, Tristan, has been, um, he has been the talk of the of the temple uh, for a couple of days now since he's been into town. And nobody has managed to beat him. And now you have this 76-year-old? 76-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, facing off against this um, much younger, probably maybe 29 or 30 in peak physical shape. This reminds me of Matt when he fought the two warders and just kicked the crap out of them. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm like, me? I've never been in a fight in my life. <laughs> in weird time, sorry. I was also like curious about how being 29 is the best shape of my life looking at myself. <laughs> but, you know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 41 um tomorrow um and uh i'm i'm in the best shape of my life so I, hopefully it just keeps getting better fingers crossed oh yeah by the way paul it's 12 minutes uh 12 minutes from now here so whoa 
Oh. Oh my God, twinsies, you guys. Wait, so so we have to say happy birthday to Matt first, and then Paul later. <laughs> yeah, like literally yes. an hour later. And the way it'll work is that Matt's birthday will be during this episode, and mine will be a week later. <laughs> <laughs> People start to gather around and they are starting to watch this um, this fight. So what we are going to do is we are going to roll initiative. You've got this! Pine, what'd you get for initiative? Pine rolled a 19. Pine, you get to go first. As you square off and you're facing each other, Harveed's like, yeah, you're gonna get him! You're gonna get him, Tristan! Oh, oh that's right, uh, uh, ready and fight! Okay, so if, I, if I'm if i gonna go first, I wanna do something to try to throw him off, okay? So as I draw the Tabri Ambassador's Blade level three, I say, Frigid Aggression Stance. And one thing that I can do is I can actually blow out any uncovered flame within at 30 feet of me. So I wanna put out all of the lights right around me to throw him off, and then I'm just gonna come right in with my first uh, my first two attacks. Oh my goodness. So I'm hoping, I, I don't know if that's going to give me advantage or whatever, but the idea is just throw them off. As you draw your sword, these torches that are on the wall, they, actually they're lanterns, the um, the light in them goes poof and it goes out. And suddenly um, Tristan is standing in darkness. You can see that there's now uh, shadow all over the center of this fighting pit. Okay, what's the next thing you're going to do, Pine? I'm going to go ahead and come up and do a couple attacks. All right. The first one is a 16 to hit. 16 will barely hit. So that, oh, geez. So that is uh, my first. So the way it works out is because I'm rolling two dice, basically that's just two, you know, quick slashes with my very quick weapon. So I rolled uh, only eight piercing for uh, the piercing and one cold. So basically I rolled a two and a one for my damage on this one. But I will say... Unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I shall do a level three, no, level two, a level two smite. Okay. So that will be an extra 3d8, right? A level two smite will be 3d8, yes. So that's 12 extra damage. So that's really not that great, but yeah. So that's my first attack, my first attack. Okay. And then my second attack shall be a 17 to hit. Another hit. Okay, that's now this is much better. So 14 piercing and then three cold. And then I will say one more time, unleash with precision Swordmaster's Fury and do a level two smite again. So that's an extra 3d8. I'm trying to make this go really fast. That's only 11 damage this time. So altogether, that's a lot. 49 damage in one round. This guy, it's his turn now. He cannot see you, but he is going to skirt around you to get back out into some of the light so he can get a better view of you because he's standing in the shadows. Um, So he doesn't leave your threat range, but he does move around you. Um, He is going to, for his first action, his first attack, he is actually going to, he's going to fight dirty. And he is going to, with with his boot, kick sand up into your face. I need a constitution save, difficulty 13. I rolled exactly a 13. Oh, God. Yes! (laughs) So, you know, you've fought duels before, and you have fought in war before. And this is the kind of move somebody would do in a war. This is like 
survival stuff. And so as soon as he goes to kick the sand in your face, instantly you like grab the edge of your cloak or your, your coat and just whip it up in front of your eyes, just wave it away. And the sand, it doesn't get in your eyes. You are not blinded for this round. Um, that was his first. So now with his other two attacks, he is going to attack you twice. And that is going to be, um, looks like a 13 for the first one and then a 21 for the second one. The 21 will hit. And that is going to be only, wow, only 12 damage. So he dealt 12 damage to you and it is now Pine, it is your turn. Okay, so uh, Pine is going to, he's going to say, the brilliant blade reveals your weakness, angered heavens. And I'm going to do, I don't think I've ever done this attack before, but it's the angered heavens technique. It does an additional radiant damage and uh, I'm just doing it because it's cool and I haven't done it before. Basically, if he was invisible, he'd be visible now. Oh, gotcha. And he'll glow if I hit with my next attack or with the next time I hit with attack. So uh, my first attack will be a crit. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Mess him up, <laughs> You wanted to make this quit? All right. So, so basically, the, the initial attack is just four quick strikes. 11 plus 8 plus 4 plus 6 is... That's 19 plus 10. So that's 29 damage before I throw on the Swordmaster's Fury, which I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it at level three, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so that will be 8d8. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, that's an additional 41 damage. Oh, so that's, dude, that's a great number two. mild man to a fight. Holy cow. Tell me what happens. This guy who has 112 hit points, what do you do to subdue him and get that that little slice of, of blood on him again playing it that every every single every individual die is a strike with my blade and because in this this specific round i got to roll 12 dice on one attack that's 12 attacks in three seconds so i just completely overwhelm him with a blade that is completely invisible it's going so fast like in an anime and his white hander goes out of his just goes flying out of his hand and uh the the blood that i draw is actually a nick on his thumb on his right hand where he was holding his white hander and that's and that's it like I don't, he doesn't get, doesn't fall down. It's just completely overwhelmed. Sword is out of his hand and he can see the blood on his hand. Woo! Cue victory music. Now, if you could only roll like that in our actual fights, <laughs> bada bing. <laughs> oh, this guy, this guy, Tristan, who he has seemed, you're fairly good natured. Um, he um he drops the sword and he puts his thumb in his mouth real quick, tries to suck on you know, the blood off, and then he kind of looks at it and uh, he looks at you and for a split second you see this intense rage in his eyes and then he <sighs> takes a breath and he steps forward and he holds out his right hand and he says, "Well met," and I'll and I will grasp it, you know, grabbing the wrists like they do in fantasy movies. And Predator. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and Predator. And I will say, Tristan, your skill was great. And I think you're right. You are better than your teacher. You know, he earned the title, The Blossoming Storm of the Western Sky, without ever besting he who previously held that title. And I'll give him a wink. He will 
let go of your hand. And then he'll kind of look at you and he'll say, Temrid Pine? <laughs> Temrid Pine. At your service. Okay. We are going to stop there and head back down to the basement. Roos, you are standing there watching uh, uh, Saman standing in front of, or kneeling in front of this box. His hands are on the box. And he kind of, you know how when you're getting ready to dive underwater, how it's better to like go, then just take one big breath. Like you get your lungs ready to like, ready to hold that oxygen. He starts doing that. He starts breathing really rapidly. And then you can sense him just tense as he takes the box, unlatches it, opens it up, reaches in, pulls out one of the swords, slams the lid shut again, and quickly stands up and goes to the statue. I'm gonna make a roll here real quick. Roos, he reaches up, grabs one of the swords that is in the hand of the statue. Um, he He grabs the one that has the broken blade, it's just a handle, and he pulls it up and he goes to put the sword in the hands of the statue, and he stops. Roos, what do you do? He rolled a natural four on his wisdom save. What do you do, Roos? I'm gonna grab his wrist and push his arm the rest of the way to stick the sword into the statue. I'm gonna need you to make a wisdom save. You gave him advantage on that save and he rolled a natural five. <laughs> make a wisdom save. I uh, Roos got a 21 for his wisdom save. As you go to assist him and put it in, you see his knuckles tighten on the sword and you having dealt with this already with your 21 wisdom save, you you quickly kind of elbow him in the side of the head to throw him off just a little bit as you grab that sword, knowing that now you are connected to it again, but with your 21 wisdom save, you slam it down into the hand that is now open, that has been relieved of that sword handle. And when you let go, you feel instantly the pull of that sword is gone. Master Saman has fallen backwards and he's laying on his back and he is breathing heavily. (sighs) He kind of tripped backwards over that lead-lined box. Bruce, as you stand in front of this statue of Lord Laramie, make a perception check. Oh man. Ooh, I rolled really well. A 30 perception. Um, A 30 perception. The first thing that you realize after placing this sword in the statue, that sword is no longer bound to you. With your 30 perception, you recognize also that sword is is not bound to Master Saman, which was a very real possibility. With your 30 perception, you see that statue that is black, like black marble or onyx something, something so dark, you see in the lights of these candles down here, the slightest tint just on the edges of your vision around the statue where the lines are cut, the tiniest glint of red. And that is where we're going to stop for Uh, tonight. (laughs) One down, one to go. All right. Also, Paul, I did the math wrong because I forgot I had just done 
angered heavens. There should have been 18 more damage on that, which would equate oh to four gosh. more strikes. That would have been 16 strikes in three oh, seconds. Man. Wow. You were so fast. Oh, gosh. Hey, what a great episode. You guys are now in the city of Marlock, which is a resort town, and you guys have not done a beach trip yet. But Roos is now free of one of these cursed blades. Um, something crazy is happening. And Pine got to interact with somebody from Menarest and learn or teach a little bit about the art of sword work, as well as what it means to be the blossoming storm of the Western sky. Anyway, if you like what we're doing, go check out our Patreon. Um, there's lots of great stuff on there. Don't forget we're doing a Q&A coming up here very soon. Um, so get your questions into us through the Discord. You can actually send them direct message to me, Paul, on the Discord. And then our patrons will get to hear that episode of us answering your questions uh, in the very near future. DM the uh, DM. DM the DM. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I figured out my tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway until we get together next time we hope you have a great time <laughs>